I just want to share a few quick thoughts with you this morning. Uh, In Mark chapter 4, let's jump in there real quick. So in Mark chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles turned there, the scriptures will be up on the screen. So um, Jesus was hanging out with his disciples and the people that were closest to him. Okay, and uh, they said to him in Mark 4, verse 10, it says, when he was alone, meaning only with his disciples and the close friends he was with, those around him with the 12 asked him about parables. Now, parables were uh, illustrative stories that symbolized something uh, more deep, a more deep spiritual teaching. He talked about shepherds and uh, fish, and he talked about um, growing seeds and, and farmers that throw out seeds. And he gave all these little illustrations that were timely for that particular time period, but they really meant something more deeply rooted spiritually. He spoke in parables. And so the guys that were hanging out with him most of the time said, hey, Jesus, why do you talk in parables? In Matthew 13, it tells this exact same story. And the disciples and the close friends that were with Jesus said, hey, Jesus, why do you talk to them in parables? insinuating that Jesus actually spoke differently to the disciples and his close friends. By the way, notice I'm saying close friends because Jesus had more than 12. He had a group of people that followed him around. They spent time together. Um, One of the things that the Lord has just been bringing continually to my mind this week is when the music stops... And the message is done. When we all go home, who are we following? When the miracles are done in Jesus' day, when he's done speaking, when the crowds have left, it was Jesus and a handful of people. And so my question, even before we jump into anything, is are you following Are you willing to follow? There was a group of people that literally said, we leave everything. And Jesus, wherever you go, we're in. Wherever you wake up in the morning and go brush your teeth, I'm gonna do the same thing. Wherever you go use the bathroom, Jesus, I'll go do that too. Did did y'all know, like, I don't know if this is offensive or not, but Jesus, like, pooped. He was human, fully human, fully God. He lived every waking moment of his life with people. And so before we even jump into anything, are you willing to follow? Are you willing to follow? Because if you are, Jesus is inviting you in to a specific relationship with him. Not about the miracles, not about the preaching, not about the music, none of that, just about him. You see, this passage says, uh, Jesus goes on, he says, he answers, why do I speak in parables to other people, but not to you? It says, to you, those who are following, 
you have been given the secret to the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything I speak is in parables. You see, what he was saying literally is that God himself has hidden his words in plain sight. God had hidden his words through Jesus in plain sight for all to see. You see, Jesus was a manifest man made in the very image of God. He was fully divine, fully man, and he presented himself to all of humanity for all to see. And some people got that he was the son. Some people got that he lived a perfect sinless life and atoned uh, for our sins, that he covered our sins, and other people didn't. It was literally the words of God in plain sight for all to see. And some people received that and other people didn't. And so the disciples are saying, well, why do you, why do, you do that, God? He says, because to you, because you've been willing to sacrifice, to walk, to, to, to do whatever it takes because you want me for who I am. I'm giving you the secrets to the kingdom of God. You see that statement, the secrets to the kingdom of God is interesting to me. The word secret literally means like this idea that you are being given something that isn't public. So, Let's do an illustration for a minute. I don't know if the camera's gonna follow me, but that's cool if it doesn't. Hey, Justin, what's up, man? This is Justin, everybody. Let's give a hand for Justin. He does not know that I'm gonna do this. Um, okay, so let's just pretend for a moment that I, I know this is gonna be super hard, but I'm God and I will smite you if you don't do what I say. I'm just kidding. Um, I'll be God and you be Justin. Can you do that? All right, so you're gonna take the mic and I'm gonna tell you some things and then I want you to repeat them, okay? Hey, Justin. I love you so much. You have awesome hair. You're an awesome dad and an awesome husband. Thanks, man. So here's the thing. When you're given the secrets to the kingdom, what that means is you are given privileged information about who you are. And then you get to go give that away. Now, I don't mean that you need to go tell everybody how awesome of a husband you are or how great of a dad you are. I mean, you live it. And people go, whoa, 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 whoa. There's something different about him. There's something different about her. We've been given the secret to the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Literally, the the word picture 
of God's kingdom is this idea that you are given this free space to roam because you're royalty. In a kingdom, a king goes wherever he wants, right? He can roam about wherever he wants. And when it says you've been given the secrets to the kingdom, what that means is that God has literally called you into his family, which makes you a royal person as well. It makes you a king and a queen, and you are given free reign to walk about in his kingdom. And so when he gives you secrets, and he says, Justin, you're an awesome husband. If you don't totally understand that, you can say, hey, dad, teach me about what it means to be an awesome husband. I wanna explore that space. And so you begin walking around in God's kingdom freely saying, teach me about what it means to be a husband. I promise you, anything that you have a question about, hey, God, teach me about your love. Hey, God, teach me about what it means that, that, to, that I receive life, like right now, not just eternal life for, for heaven, but eternal, eternal life now. Teach me what it means to be generous, God. And he goes, yes, I'll give you all the secrets of the kingdom. I'm not gonna speak to you in parables that you don't understand. I'm gonna speak to you clearly. I'm gonna give you my words Do you want that kind of relationship <laughs> where you and the Lord, like you're, you're actually given insight. The word secret literally means unmanifested counsel. Like you actually get to listen in to something that may not have taken place yet. If you're struggling with a sin or an addiction, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you're struggling with something like that right now, guess what? If you listen to the Lord, you know what he's gonna tell you? You're not addicted to that thing. As a follower of Jesus, Scripture tells us that it is for freedom, in Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ came to set us free. So if that's true and you're a follower of Jesus, then the chains and the bondage of addiction have actually fallen off of you. You're just continuing to believe that you're in bondage. And so what you do is you start from the place of, hey, God, I'm actually free. That's what your word tells me. That's what the kingdom principle is, is that, that I'm actually free indeed. Even though I'm currently not feeling or experiencing that, I believe that I am free in you. So teach me what it means to be free. And when you begin to have those kind of conversations, the Lord himself teaches you. He unlocks passages. He unlocks his word. He unlocks life to us. That's the type of relationship that Jesus had with his disciples and that's the type of relationship that God is offering to us by the empowering of his Holy Spirit today. We get that opportunity. You see, our identity in Jesus, who we are in Christ, that we're great husbands, that we're great fathers, that we're great men and women of the Lord, even if our current context doesn't say that, when we begin to believe that, our identity in Jesus makes us grounded and it makes us firm. And then he invites us to explore his words with him. He wants to take us around and show us the kingdom of God. <laughs> Jesus is saying that those who are closest to him have been given the privilege of exploring the space of God's territory because they're royal. 
He says, everybody else that isn't walking with me, I tell it in parables. So that, verse 12, they may indeed see but not perceive. They might hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven or healed depending on what version you read. That was a prophecy from the book of Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah, hundreds of years ago, God, through the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years ago, prophesied that, that there would be a time when a savior, an anointed one, would rise up and that people would see him but not perceive him. They would hear him but not understand him. And Jesus is saying, I'm the fulfillment of that right now. And it's been still going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. It says, if they would see and they would perceive, if they would hear and they would understand, they would turn and be forgiven. You see, we read that and we go, well, isn't that what God wants? He wants everybody to be to see and to hear and to, and to, to, to have their, themselves healed and, and, and forgiven. Of course he does. But you see, what was going on in that current context is that there were really two camps of people. There were people who followed Jesus because of who he is, and there were people who followed Jesus because of what he did for them. Jesus was a miracle worker. I don't know if you read through the Gospels at all. You see lame people walking, blind people seeing. You see him feeding 5,000 at one time, feeding 4,000 another. All these miracles, lepers get touched and they're healed. All these miracles are happening. He is a miracle worker. He is literally taking the very principles of the kingdom that there's no infirmity, there's no lameness, there's no pain, there's no sickness or struggle. He's taking those things and he's giving them away. And some people see that and they go, wow, there's something greater going on here. I don't quite know what it is, but there's something bigger than this. But then there's some that go, wow, that's cool. He can make lame people walk. I got a friend that's lame. Let's let him walk. Man, I'm really hungry today, Jesus. Got any bread? Come on. They were seeking Jesus for the sign, not for the sign giver. Y'all see those exit signs right here in the back? That sign isn't actually doing anything but pointing you to where you need to go in the event that something bad happens, fire or whatever, right? Now, if we all walk to that sign and just go, here we are, did we actually exit? No! The sign points to something greater. The sign isn't the thing in and of itself. The lame person walking wasn't the issue. The blind person seeing wasn't the issue. It was a sign that pointed to a greater spiritual truth that some people received and followed. And other people went, wow, that's cool. Let's see how many lame people we can get to walk. They hung out around the sign. Everywhere Jesus went, people just followed him. Hey, Jesus, got anything to eat? Hey, Jesus, fix this for me. Hey, Jesus, fix that for me. Hey, Jesus, can you do this? Hey, Jesus, we need a sign. Not because we love you, but because we love what you do. If you're following Jesus because you think he's going to make your life better, what happens when your life doesn't get better? You still following him? When you're following Jesus because your marriage is in absolute shambles 
and God does something and heals your marriage, you still following him? Don't follow the Lord for the sign. Follow him because of who he is. And the overflow of who he is is that marriages are healed, that lame walk, that blind see. That is what he's calling us into. It doesn't mean that our life won't get better. It means that we change. Our circumstances may never change, but we do. And we look at our circumstances differently because of who Jesus is. This is all about relational intimacy with the Lord. It's all about walking in that with him. And so what he does is he teaches this principle and he says, you've been given the secret to the kingdom of God. I'm giving you this. This is who you are. I can literally see Jesus sitting down with his disciples and telling them who they are. Peter, you're confident. You're gonna be my mouthpiece, man. Come on. Thomas, don't doubt what I just said. Just trust. I promise you, this is, a, this is all about trust. Just believe in me. And I promise you, you're gonna see greater things. I can see him literally in these moments of intimacy speaking to each of his disciples, telling them who they are. You've been given the secret to the kingdom. And then he tells a couple more parables to some people. And then later on in Mark chapter four, I love this part. You see, from the faith that God implants in us, from faith, God's hidden words become manifest. From faith, when we actually receive that we are something or Jesus is going to do something that we haven't actually seen yet, all of a sudden, that thing becomes manifest in faith. In Mark chapter four, later at the end, he goes on, listen to this, it says, on that day when evening had come, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. So picture this, they're on one side of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus had been doing miracles and tearing, telling parables and teaching and so on and so forth. And he waits until it gets dark. And then he says, hey guys, now's a good time for us to hop in this boat and go over across the sea. Now, I'm not talking about modern day uh, Israel, like where there's street lights and, and homes lit up and stuff like that. Like literally when the sun goes down, it is black, dark, can't see a thing. There's no dim light of the golden archways of McDonald's in the distance. There's no glowing Walmarts with humongous parking lots. There's none of that. Literally when the sun goes down, it is just dark. <laughs> And Jesus says, now's a good time for us to hop in this boat and row ourselves over to the other side. What the disciples did not know, if you have read this story before, is between them and the other side was what? A storm. Jesus gets in this boat, begins to ride with the disciples, and all of a sudden, this storm starts bubbling up. What's Jesus doing, by the way? He's sleeping. He's sleeping in the boat. So watch this. 
He just has this conversation with them saying, hey guys, I want to tell you who you are. I'm giving you the secret of the kingdom. I'm telling you how who I am and what I think you are and how I operate in this world. And then he sends them in the darkness through a storm to the other side. By the way, um, God didn't cause the storm just so that the disciples would learn something. I don't know if you know this or not, but whether you're following Jesus or not, at the end of the day, dark places and storms happen. Really, the question at hand is, who are you with when the dark places and the storms happen? Who's with you? And so Jesus is in this boat with his disciples, and they're in the dark, and all of a sudden this storm comes up. The purpose is for us to remember what he said. He said, you are going to the other side. Let's go to the other side. In the middle of the storms of our life, we must remember what God said about us in the past and what he's telling us about the future. Because it's real easy in the midst of the storm for unbelief and all that stuff to start manifesting itself. So what happened is God himself told them, I've given you the secret to the kingdom. And then in the natural world, the storm happened. And what, it, what that did is it began to pull up the unbelief that was in their heart. You see, when we start talking about relational intimacy with the Lord, every single thing that touches our life becomes an opportunity for the Father to speak into us and our situation. Whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, perceivably, the storms of our life actually become opportunities for the Lord to draw out a place of unbelief for us and we can give it to the Lord and say, here, here God, I, I'm, I'm super upset. I'm very unbelieving right now. I'm very angry. I don't know. I just, I need to give you this. What the disciples do in the middle of the storm? <laughs> They're flipping their lid. Jesus, we're gonna die. Don't you care? You know what Jesus is doing the whole time is he's giving away rest. He modeled a kingdom principle in the middle of the chaos. In the middle of the chaos, is God running around going, shoot, I can't believe that person did that. Oh man, I can't, you're gonna screw your life up so bad. Oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? No, he's still on the throne. He's resting. Because Romans 16 says, the God of peace has taken the enemy and put it under his feet and crushed him. And he's resting with his feet on the neck of the enemy. So no matter what storm begins to rise in our life, Jesus is in it, giving us rest if we'll receive it. Now the disciples, they missed the mark. They didn't get it. Jesus still was there anyway. He still spoke the storm, calmed it down. But you see, friends, this life is full of ups and downs and struggles and whatever it is. But the invitation is for us to be with Jesus 
in every single moment. And so I, I just want to encourage you to, to ask this question to yourself. Like, write this down or, or take a note of it mentally or whatever. Whenever you leave here, maybe later today or this week, just say, hey, hey, Father, am I currently experiencing something that's calling my unbelief to the surface? Is there a place that, that maybe I, I have an unbelieving heart for this particular thing? Maybe it's my marriage, maybe it's my job, maybe it's this sin issue, whatever it is. Like, like Lord, call that up. Because I want to exchange that unbelief for rest. I want to exchange that unbelief for the secrets of the kingdom that I know that you are inviting me to walk around in. I believe you're a good God. I believe you're a loving God. I believe these things, but I don't currently see it in the natural. And so I'm asking you, help me to experience love in a way I've never had before. Because you see, the reality is, is God is always moving. He's always working. He's always speaking, whether we want to receive it or not. To prove that point, in John chapter 12, there's a story. Jesus is getting ready to go die on the cross. He's uh, making the, the kind of the final preparations. He's trying to tell his disciples, like, hey, I'm not going to be with you much longer. Here we go. Like, you guys gear up. Just realize I'm going to be gone. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He's trying to tell them what's up. And in John chapter 12, it says, Jesus said, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I've come to this hour. You see, Jesus didn't live for the cross. He lived for the resurrection. He didn't live for the death. He lived for the new life that came after that. And so sometimes in us, we have to remember that promise that the Lord has given us. Like in the, in the moment, in the middle of the storm, in the middle when we're dying to our flesh or those kind of things, like that doesn't feel good. That's not fun. But we have to live past that to the promise that he's given us. And what God gave Jesus was, hey, resurrection is coming through that death. So Jesus was able to say, man, I really don't want to do this right now. I really wish I could say, God, save me from this. But no, this is the purpose that I've come for. And so those moments where you feel like giving up and you feel like throwing in the towel and you feel like walking away, go back to the promise of what he gave you who you are. When you're not sure, go, hey, dad, who am I? I need to know. And he begins to affirm your identity over and over and over again. He said, Father, verse 28, glorify your name. And it says, then a voice came from heaven. God himself spoke. He said, I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now we have three very different perspectives in the exact same story. God himself spoke audibly to Jesus, his son. 
And there were people that were there that experienced that. And you know what they said? Oh man, I I think it's going to rain. It's thundering. There are people that were going, ooh, Jesus must be talking to angels. And Jesus himself said, no, this is for you. So you see, when God is at work, which is all the time, there's always three responses to it. Natural, like what we immediately see, hey, I think it might be thundering outside. We can have a natural response to the storms in our life. We can have a natural response to the situations that we see. Spiritual, sometimes that's like when when we, we see something and we go, oh man, that, that really just must be for them. We see someone encounter a healing and we're broken ourselves, And we go, man, that's just for them. They must be a super Christian. I'm, I'm, I'm never gonna get that healing. I'm never gonna encounter that thing. I'm never gonna be that person that I, you know, want to be or could be, whatever. There's a spiritual response that goes on. People said, wow, Jesus must be talking to angels. Jesus himself said to the crowd, no, this is for you. So when God is at work, it's not natural and it's not even spiritual. It's personal. Jesus himself was saying, the words of God were for you and they're for me and they're for you. He is an intimate father that longs for relationship with his sons and his daughters. He wants to speak to you daily, minute by minute, moment by moment. If you're not hearing him, Maybe he's using a different language. Maybe it's in the birds of the air. A friend of mine came up to me not too long ago. He works for the city of High Point. He works in the warehouse department. Sounds like super cool. It's this like huge warehouse. Like everything that the city of High Point buys comes through this warehouse. I'm thinking like, that's nuts. And this dude like touches everything that the city of High Point buys. And he said, this was back when it was cold. He said, uh, they, they brought in like the big things of salt. These like big uh, containers full of salt that, you know, they throw out when it's icy or whatever. And all of North Carolina shuts down because those two flurries like drop. They salt all the roads. He was walking into this worship encounter that he had been asked, he's a musician, that he had been asked to help put on. And he's walking up the sidewalk at the Chamber of Commerce in the city of High Point. And what does he see on the ground? The salt. And he said, in that moment, the Lord said, I'm bringing this stuff into the storehouse and I'm giving it away. You are salting high point. You see, God's always speaking. 
sometimes we might just need to change our language. He desperately wants that for each one of us. He's hungry for you. Psalm says you're the apple of his eye. And so literally our only response to this loving father is to open up our hands and say, God, I am receiving the secret to your kingdom. Teach me, Lord. I can't do anything else. I can't be anything else. I'm just simply receiving what you have for me. And out of that, I will just respond.